I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the Nobel Peace Prize. So grab your nominating committee. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And what can I tell you about today? This is going to be, this is what I'll tell you. Oh. This is our last episode before our traditional two week siesta, where we will be re airing two episodes that we liked from this past season and taking a break yes a nice long breaky break i plan to sleep i plan to Mm. drink eat be merry be merry Mm -hmm. and gay yeah well i'm always gay (laughs) you're always gay (laughs) 
But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy this last remnant of us before we enter 2023. I don't even know how that is possible. I don't either. I really don't either. Isn't it crazy that now 2020 will be three years ago? I don't. I don't. Like, uh, it's it will soon be three years from the shutdown. What does that even yeah. mean? I I don't know. I feel I feel as though my brain has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> my brain has changed, memories have changed. Yep. It's a wild time. It's a wild and time. and it's always I always feel so weird going into an odd numbered year. Oh. Don't you? No. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and I so I'll just go um Tell me more about why you feel that myself. way. I don't know. There's something about odd numbers uh-huh. that makes me feel like something's a little bit wild. Ah. See, I think for me, they feel a little bit more exciting. Like, mm. probably for the same reason. Sure. I mean, the 2023 is going to be a big year for me already. I'm going to turn 30. I'm going to get married. Oh, my God. Like. <laughs> How are you uh, at 30? <laughs> All right, and I'm 30 going on 62, and we all know it. (laughs) At least you will finally be 30, and I can stop thinking that you're 26, and I will actually know how old you are. Because in my brain, I just, you're somewhere between... I'm always 26. (laughs) Well, you're somewhere between, like, 25 and 28, and I just never can decide how old you are, and so now at least I, I will know that you are at least 30, and so At now, least. until one of us passes a very fantastical death, I will just always think of you as 30. Perfect. I'll stop aging as well. I cannot wait for you to turn 30. You're going to be a great 30-year-old. I think so, too. I think yeah. so, too. I think I – and this is this is going to sound, you know, obnoxious, but I do think I'm only going to get better with age. Uh, yes. You are a fine Chianti. I am a fine Chianti. That's the spirit of mm-hmm. this episode. And because of that, I should be given a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, I mean, for that transition alone. Oh, yum. I nominate yum. you. Give it to Give her. Give it to me. Give it to me. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about this because I feel like I always forget about it until <laughs> it's it's being announced. And I'm like, I oh, know. my God. I know. And then you get those notifications that you're like, Brom Weisterhausen has been mm-hmm. given the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his discovery yeah. of the 50th smallest particle within an atom. And you're yeah. like, I didn't even know we were doing that. That's I didn't amazing. know this was on the agenda. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great. I, yeah, I find, I find the history of it to be so interesting. I find mm-hmm. the different, like, the fa- like, the different departments for which you can get a prize, sure. you know, yeah. for, like, science or, I don't know, humanitarian or whatever leadership. I don't, actually don't know what they all are. But... I think that's super interesting. I remember when Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize in yeah. his first term of presidency. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, this is – that's that's wild. That's wild. So I, I want to learn more about it, and and we're going to. We're going we're gonna to end our year with giving ourselves Nobel Peace Prizes for this podcast. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. But before we do – Do you want to talk about the sources? Sure. So we have quite a few and different ones today. 
Hell Obviously, yeah. Nobel Peace Prize, the SARS, the one and only. Of course. The United Nations. <laughs> okay. We're diplomats. <laughs> we're diplomats. University of Manchester. Nice. A website called Live Science, which, which had some good listicles. Nice. And last but not least, Global Citizen. We love it. Yeah. So today we're only going to be focusing on the Peace Prize. We're not going to dabble too, too much into chemistry, physics, et cetera, et cetera, because peace is the most jazzy one. So that's our focus for today. That's our focus for it. And because it's the holiday season. Holiday season, and Go we're all about peace. Go forth and bring peace. Go forth bring and bring peace. Peace, uh, peace on earth peace. and happy people. So, great. We'll start with the history of the Nobel Peace Prize. When the Swedish businessman Alfred Nobel passed away in 1896, he left behind what was then one of the world's largest private fortunes. In his last will, Alfred Nobel declared that the whole of his remaining fortune of 31.5 million Swedish crowns was to be invested in safe securities and should constitute a fund, quote, the interest on which shall be annually distributed in the form of prizes to those who, during the preceding year, shall have conferred the greatest benefit on mankind, end quote. Well, shoot, shoot. I mean, yeah. He's like, you you gotta earn it. Yeah, you gotta earn it. But you know what? If you earn it hard, you fucking earn that money. You get money. The will specified in which fields the prizes should be awarded. And those fields are physics, chemistry, medicine, or psychology, literature, and peace. Peace. <laughs> and which criteria the respective prize committees should apply when choosing their prize recipients. According to the will, the Nobel Peace Prize was to be awarded, quote, to the person who shall have done the most or the best work for fraternity between the nations and the abolition or reduction of standing armies and the formation and spreading of peace congresses. I mean, yeah. I think it's just because peace is like, it's so like literature, chemistry, physics, those are all like tangible things, right? You you have research or discoveries yeah. or like books to right. back up whatever peace can <sighs> be in a lot of different forms yes so it's just an interesting one amongst others i agree but i love that it's even included like yeah if, me if too. we were doing this today i mean there's no i just feel like and this is where my pessimism comes up. I just feel like there's no way when if we were allocating these categories today that peace would be one of them. No. Because how would no. you it wouldn't I just feel like it wouldn't even be a priority. Yeah, it's a very um it's a very altruistic. Romantic. Yeah, yeah, and romantic is a great word. Yeah. Category. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Alfred Nobel's will declared that the Nobel Peace Prize was to be awarded by a committee of five persons selected by the Norwegian Storting, aka their parliament. The parliament accepted the assignment in April of 1897, and the Nobel Committee of the Norwegian Storting was set up in August of the same year. In Sweden, however, Nobel's will triggered a lengthy legal battle with parts of the Nobel family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
It was not until this conflict had been resolved and financial matters had been satisfactorily arranged through the establishment of the Nobel Foundation in Sweden in 1900 that the Norwegian Nobel Committee and the other prize-awarding bodies could begin their work. I mean, a look. I am sure the direct family had some feelings about not ha- oh. getting a dime. Yeah. Well, you know uh, what? Like, For peace? For peace? What the flop is peace? What do you mean? Maybe- I'm peaceful. Come on. Come on. Look at me. So fucking peaceful. So peaceful. Yikes. Yep. So we, we start the work in 1900. When mm-hmm. we should have started in like 1897. Something like that, yeah. Because it took a while for them to mm-hmm. lose their battles. Top the I's and cross the T's, if you will. Mm-hmm. So the first Nobel Prizes were awarded in 1901. The Peace Prize for that year was shared between the Frenchman Friedrich Passy and the Swiss Jean-Henri Dunant. Love it. Love it. Henry Dunant was awarded the Peace Prize for his humanitarian efforts to help wounded soldiers and create international understanding. He was the founder of the Red Cross. Sure, that'll do it. Sure, right? Like, that'll get you an award. Yes. (laughs) So he came up for the idea of the Red Cross in, well, it started in 1859, when a battle was raging at the town of Solferino in northern Italy. There, the Swiss businessman, Dunant, saw thousands of Italian, French, and Austrian soldiers killing and maiming each other. On his own initiative, he organized aid work. He later wrote the book, A Memory of Solferino, which contained a plan. All countries should form associations to help the sick and wounded on the battlefield, whichever side they belong to. We've talked about this. Yeah, we have. I remember this. Yeah. The the Italian-French battle. Yeah. I, I can't remember what episode that was connected to. It'll come to us. Yeah. The result was the establishment of the International Committee of the Red Cross in 1863 and the adoption of the Geneva Convention in the following year. Like, he did a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, talk about being busy. <laughs> yeah. The fact that he shared it. I mean, right. I don't know what the French guy did, but right. like, oh, oh my we'll, God. We'll, we'll talk about it. But like, yeah, no, he just was like, this was all kinds of bad. Like, and don't you want your soldiers to be helped? And don't you want your soldiers yeah. to be helped? Like, come on. The International Committee of the Red Cross laid down that all wounded soldiers in a land war should be treated as friends. Medical mm. personnel would be protected by the Red Cross in a white field. Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's like a sentiment that still exists yeah. relatively today. It's like you yeah. don't you don't go after the doctors. Right. You let you let like it's all like that sentiment of like tend to your wounded. Right. Is accepted generally. Right. Because they're not I mean, yes, because just to hurt a wounded soldier is cowardice. It's cowardice. Right. They're not a threat to you. So yeah. you're just doing it because you can, and that makes you feel it, it's vindictive, you know? Like, I mean, yes, yeah. I get you want to kill the soldiers and whatever, but, like, they're going to go home anyway. Let them go home. Yeah. The other person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize that first year was Friedrich Pasty for his lifelong work for international peace conferences, diplomacy, and arbitration. He was from France, a scientist, a politician, and a peace activist. At the turn of the century, everyone agreed that Friedrich Passy was a worthy laureate. In both age and prominence, he was the dean of the international peace movement, 
both as an economist and as a politician, he maintained that free trade between independent nations promoted peace. Sure. Get those goods. Get those goods. Get those goods. Passy founded the first French Peace Society, which held a Congress in Paris during the 1878 World Exhibition. As an independent leftist Republican in the French Chamber of Deputies, he opposed France's colonial policy because it did not accord with the ideals of free trade. Passy was also one of the founders of the Interparliamentary Union, an organization for cooperation between the elected representatives of different countries. All right. So he's basically like, we should live in a world where everybody is equal on the same playing field and you, you, you have the right to exchange goods. Right. However you please. But I think it's important to note that colonialism is not that. <laughs> yeah, he did not like that. He did not like yeah, that. Yeah, he was like, and and this is not that. Right, right, <laughs> just, right. Just so you know. Just so you know. What you're doing, not great. Not it. Not the, not the vibe. Wrong choice. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So now let's talk about the nominating process for the Nobel Peace Prize. Once again, they are different for every uh, different prize. So this is just specific to the peace one. But chemistry has their own vibe. Physics has their own vibe. Let's talk about peace. Nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize require no invitation, 
but are only considered valid if submitted by a person who meets a certain criteria. Interesting. Mm-hmm. According to the statutes of the Nobel Foundation, a nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize is considered valid if it is submitted by a person who falls within one of the following categories. A personal application for an award will not be considered. So, you have to be this type of person in order to nominate somebody else. You have to be either members of national assemblies and national governments, so like cabinet members, ministers of sovereign states, as well as current heads of states. So that's one type of person you can be. You could be a member of the International Court of Justice in The Hague and the Permanent Court of Arbitration in The Hague. So if you work in The Hague and you're on that court of justice, you can nominate somebody. <laughs> hey! You could be a member of the Institut des Droits International. You could be a member of the International Board of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. You could be a university professor, Professor Emirati, or an associate professor of history, social sciences, law, philosophy, theology, and religion. University rectors and university directors, or their equivalents, or you could be directors of peace research institutes and foreign policy institutes. I like that they include university professors. Yeah. It seems like a total like different vibe from... The other ones. Right, exactly. It, fe- it feels like the closest they're getting to, like, the everyday citizen yeah, being yeah, able to right. nominate somebody. In order to nominate somebody, you could be a person who has been awarded a Nobel Peace Prize. So the person the year before you could be like, this, this guy. Yeah. Nothing but peace. You could be members of the main board of directors or its equivalent of organizations that have been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. You could be current and former members of the Norwegian Nobel Committee. Or finally, you could be formal advisors to the Norwegian Nobel Committee. So those are all of the things you a person could possibly be in order to nominate somebody for the Nobel Peace Prize. Any person or organization can be nominated by anyone eligible to nominate. There is no vetting of nominations prior to the nomination deadline, Hence, the Norwegian Nobel Committee has no influence on the quality of the submissions. The task of the committee is strictly limited to selecting the best candidate or candidates among the entire list of submissions. And once again, no personal application for an award will be considered. You cannot nominate yourself. You cannot nominate yourself. Nope. But if you hold one of the positions I just spent like an hour talking about, <laughs> you can you can nominate somebody to, ah, for a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh my and god! And then the committee has to they have to consider you. You're just like automatically in the running if one of those people nominates you. Wild, wild. So let's talk about some notable winners. Notable winners of the Nobel Peace Prize. Love it. Certainly not the first, but the youngest at the time to ever be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, Martin Luther King in 1964, was an American civil rights activist and was just 35 years old when he won the coveted prize for his nonviolent resistance movement against racial discrimination. When King was given the award, he noted that his movement had, quote, not yet won the very peace and brotherhood, which is the essence of the Nobel Prize, close quote. But he accepted the award as a recognition of nonviolence as the best approach to ending oppression and violent discrimination. 
He said, quote, I accept the Nobel Prize for Peace at a moment when 22 million Negroes of the United States of America are engaged in a creative battle to end the long night of racial injustice. I accept this award on behalf of a civil rights movement, which is moving with determination and majestic scorn for risk and danger to establish a reign of freedom and a rule of justice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. That's, I have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. truly nothing to add. <laughs> there's truly nothing to add. Um, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The, the, they, the committee knocked it out of the park with this Knocked one. it out of the, I mean, this was a no-brainer. <laughs> no notes. Next up, we're going to talk about Rene Kassan. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1968. He was a French lawyer and judge, and at the time was far from a household name, but his contributions to human rights and international peace are nearly unparalleled. Kassan was the primary author of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which is widely considered the foundation of all international human rights laws and treaties. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Go off. Yep. Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Desmond Tutu. He was given the award in 1984. Mm-hmm. Desmond Tutu and the anti-apartheid movement to which he belonged had not achieved their goals when he was given the Nobel Peace Prize. But as was the case in the year Martin Luther King Jr. was awarded the prize, the committee wanted to draw attention to Tutu's nonviolent approach to fighting apartheid. Nearly a decade later, Nelson Mandela won the Nobel Peace Prize for bringing apartheid in South Africa to an end. Tutu has continued to use his platform as a Nobel laureate for good. Tutu and nine other Nobel Peace Prize winners banded together calling on the king of Saudi Arabia to stop the executions of 14 young people. He urged fellow Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi to break her silence on Myanmar's Rohingya crisis. Yes. I mean, I but I do love this. I'm like, I love like the idea of him banding together with yeah. like the other peace prizers being like, this is called peace pressuring now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love, I love that they, they're like, let's, our movement supports your movement. Like, yes, get some justice for people. And yeah, I love, I love the yeah. sentiment of all of this. Next up, we have a trio. So we have Ellen Johnson Sierleaf, Lima Gaboe, and Tuak Kol Karman, who were awarded the prize in 2011. These three powerful women jointly won the Nobel Peace Prize, quote, for their nonviolent struggle for the safety of women and for women's rights to full participation in peacebuilding work. For Ellen Johnson Sierleaf, the president of Liberia and the first female African president in modern history, and the activist Lima Gaboe, the award was in recognition of their combined efforts to establish peace in their home country of Liberia and simultaneously fight for women's rights. Gaboe told the New York Times, quote, This whole process of three women receiving the Nobel Peace Prize is really overwhelming. It's finally a recognition that we can't ignore the other half of the world's population. We cannot ignore their unique skills. For journalist and pro-democracy activist Tawakakal Karman, the award recognized her role as a champion of women's rights, peace, and democracy in Yemen. Yes. 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 Give, it, give it to more women. More women. And then finally, this one I think is, I, th- I would imagine is a household name, Malala Yousafzgaya. She was awarded it in 2014. 
She was just 17 years old when she won the Nobel Peace Prize for her, quote, struggle against the suppression of children and young people and for the right of all children to education, making her the youngest recipient of the prize to date. The Pakistan native had been a vocal champion for girls' education since she was shot by the Taliban in 2012, which was an attempt to silence her and prevent her and girls like her from getting an education. When she accepted the award, she said, quote, Why is it that countries which we call strong are so powerful in creating wars, but are so weak in bringing peace? Why is it that giving guns is so easy, but giving books is so hard? Asking the tough questions. Asking the tough questions. Asking the tough questions. Actually, yeah. it's not even a tough question. It's just like, why Why does war matter so much? Right. I beg of you. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the notable ones. Good winners. Good winners. Or I guess recipients. I guess we don't call them winners. Do we call them winners? Uh, they're winners in my book. They are winners. I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I think they're called, yeah, but I think they're called recipients or laureates. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Winner sounds gauche. Winner sounds gauche when you're winning something like a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Although you they can't call win it. at peace. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Those are some notable, notable Peace Prize winners for you to take with you into your hopefully peaceful holiday season. Yes to that. We wish you a peaceful holiday, a peaceful new year. May we bring peace to ourselves and to those around us and everything that we do. I hope we reflect in this time and give and eat and be merry. And as always... We love you so, so much. And we thank you for sticking with us through another year of episodes. We're excited to see what 2023 brings. And so if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. If you're in the giving spirit, please rate us. Please review us. Please subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next year. Goodbye.